I, I'm, I'm hearing my name mentioned a little bit tonight. <laughs> I, I wonder why. Greetings, Nerdcasters, and welcome to another special Debate Night edition of the Nerdcast. And honestly, this time my head is still spinning a little bit after Tuesday night's debate in South Carolina. Yeah, honestly, I think this is what we would call a hot mess. And that's why Russia is helping you get oh, elected so you'll lose worst. to him. Debate went completely off the rails, maybe reflecting the fact that coming off a decisive win in the Nevada caucuses and right now looking to be the front runners, the candidates started by going after Bernie Sanders. I dug in, I did the work, and then Bernie's team trashed me for it. If you think the last four years has been chaotic, divisive, toxic, exhausting, imagine spending the better part of 2020 with Bernie Sanders versus Donald Trump. Bernie Sanders' analysis is right. The difference is I don't like his solutions. But then they couldn't stop talking over each other. Promises I, that sound good on bumper stickers. Let's talk about it. I think she was talking about my plan. We were right? talking about math and it no, doesn't take no, two hours well, to do the math. And the moderators let's didn't seem to have control. Let's listen to that. When they say that they don't want to be out there defending Here to help me parse the postmodern political musical we just witnessed is Politico national political reporter Elena Schneider. Hey, Scott. Thank you for being here, Elena. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> there were so many moments of chaos that we could choose to pick this apart, but the debate really started out with Bernie Sanders as the center of attention as he has been in the race generally for the last couple of weeks. But not so much on the debate stage. Until now. Until now, right. Yes. And so tonight he was, and we've isolated this moment between Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders where Biden goes after Sanders on his voting record on gun control. It starts out with Biden... I'm the only one that ever got it done. ...talking through a long list of things he's done. I beat the NRA twice. I got assault weapons banned. I got magazines that could not hold... But then he turns to Bernie Sanders, my friend, he calls him. But my friend and my right and others have, in fact, also given to the gun manufacturers absolute immunity. Basically coming at Sanders from the left. That has caused carnage on our streets. 150 million people have been killed since 2007 when Bernie voted to exempt the gun manufacturers from liability. More than all the wars, including Vietnam, from that point on. Carnage on our street. And I want to tell you, if I'm elected and I'm coming for you and gun manufacturers, I'm going to take you on and I'm going to beat you. And then Elizabeth Warren interjects and and talks about the importance of getting rid of the the filibuster. filibuster. Understand this. The filibuster is giving a veto to the gun industry. It gives a veto to the oil industry. If you want action on gun control. But then Senator Sanders gets the opportunity to respond. I want to allow Senator Sanders to respond. Why did you vote repeatedly to give gun manufacturers a pass? Well, you know. And he starts out by going back after Biden on a completely different topic. Joe has voted for terrible trade agreements. But then Sanders does something he doesn't do very often. He calls something he did a bad vote. I have cast thousands of votes, including bad votes. That was a bad vote. All right. Elena, walk us through this and the debate generally. I mean, I thought it was really interesting. It started out in the first few minutes of the debate. Elizabeth Warren just came out and said what everyone was thinking. Bernie's winning right now. So look. Those were her exact words. Bernie is winning right now because the Democratic Party is a progressive party and progressive ideas are popular ideas, even if there are a lot of people on this stage who don't want to say so. And it really showed. 
Yeah. I mean, look, Bernie Sanders for the first time was really at the center of all of the attention and a lot of the action on that stage. The question is whether or not any of that action and attention was actually effective in bringing him down a few notches in South Carolina and in these Super Tuesday states where he has been building a lead after having such a huge win out of Nevada. And I don't really know if we got anyone who was able to sort of hold him down and sort of drill him on these issues in a way that people is is both memorable and effective. Bringing up his votes is is powerful. And certainly it's something that we've seen in digital ads, both from Joe Biden and from Mike Bloomberg, who are hoping to sort of run him out on a rail over this, these votes around not allowing for gun victims to, to uh, sue gun manufacturers. I'm not sure whether or not that's going to be effective enough. And I don't think that they brought it home in a way that reminded voters what was sort of at stake with those votes and how deadly they actually arguably could could have been. One of the things that I thought was interesting about this is this was one of the main attacks Sanders faced. It was this and how do you pay for your your plans and a few other things. There were very few points during the debate where he was actually forced to, in answering one of these things, say words that he hadn't ever said before. You know what I mean? He, he has these lines and he's very good at kind of directing things back to his stump speech, basically. And I thought that was more or less the case throughout this. Yeah. I mean, that's part of his genius is that he's been saying the same things for 40 years, which means that no one is really going to surprise him in how to answer a question because he's been saying it the same way over and over again for years. And I think he did figure out a way to sort of deal with this question about his gun record back in 2015. It was very effective that Hillary Clinton used against him at the time. I think he sort of learned how to maybe better negotiate his way through those criticisms. And he can fall back on sort of these tried and true things that not only sort of serve his purpose of getting it back onto the message or the ground that he really wants to talk about, but also sort of confirms this belief among his supporters and people who might be considering him that he's somebody who's been saying the same thing for years and years and years. And there's something about that that lends authenticity to what he's running on that other candidates can't. And it sort of caught up other people and made things difficult for them when they're being, you know, when their record is put before them and they're forced to answer for it in a way that they haven't or um, feel like they need to change on it. And Bernie just doesn't have a lot of those areas that he's changed on in the last 40 years. It is interesting to me that Sanders has been the one prosecuting the case that people like Joe Biden, among others, have taken bad votes in the past. And yet here he is making the argument that this bad vote that he's taken shouldn't count. Well, and I'm sure every politician who's confronted by the votes that they're uncomfortable with want to point out that it's, you know, it's their their opponents is the one with all of the bad votes. And, oh, you know, you don't really need to look too closely at mine. I mean, like, that's not too surprising. But, yes, it's a little inauthentic in terms of sort of the value of the argument he's been making on other people. Exactly. Just yeah. in the context of uh, in the context of that, but also the fact that he has set himself up and on a lot of these issues has been saying the same thing for right. 40 years. But this is one where he is definitely Right. And it's changed. one that I, I don't quite understand why those candidates weren't sort of able to continue to drill him on. I mean, each one of them, particularly Joe Biden and Mike Bloomberg, because they have records to back them up on these issues, on, on gun control and, and voting on these gun safety measures that, that people broadly want, um, why they didn't go keep going back to that over and over and over again as a means to sort of, you know, cut away at that at that real problem for him. Tomorrow morning, you're getting on a plane, going to South Carolina. You're going to be there through the primary on Saturday covering this big primary that's coming up. What happened tonight that's kind of setting up what you are expecting to do and see for the next few days? 
So that's a really good question. The stakes are really high for a couple of people in South Carolina, but really chief among them is Joe Biden. He needs to win in South Carolina. He said it on the debate stage that he was going to win in South Carolina. This has been his firewall. This is where he needs to actually win an early state to sort of carry forward this argument that he is the most, um, you know, the strongest, most electable candidate to go up against Donald Trump. I think there were real concerns about whether or not he was going to be able to pull off a strong enough showing in this debate performance to sort of maintain that position, especially given how strong Bernie Sanders has been of late. And I think generally speaking, he was able to acquit himself. He was certainly enthusiastic. He mixed it up with people. There were some awkward moments where he kept complaining about the moderators cutting him off and then realizing he didn't need to get cut off. Um, so still showing a little bit of rust there. But I, I think he he did enough um, where I don't think anyone uh, who was already considering Biden would suddenly uh, second guess themselves. And I think for him, the, st- the stakes were really high and, and he was able to, to negotiate his way through it. And like we said, Bernie Sanders was able to sort of um, escape, not totally scotch free, but was able to get away without having sort of some devastating blows thrown up against him. One last thought on this is obviously the debate started with everyone kind of in a row going after Sanders. It returned to that theme throughout. And yet there were large stretches, especially I think in the second half of the debate. And this was a very aggressive, shouty debate with a lot of crosstalk where Sanders was not the center of attention and in in maybe maybe in the way that that you might have expected just to, to carry on through. Um, and, and I thought that was interesting and, and notable and probably helpful to him that there were just large portions where you had other groups of candidates fighting with each other. Yeah, I think there were moments where where Joe Biden and um, Mike Bloomberg were mixing it up. There were moments where Elizabeth Warren was trying to do something. I mean, Klobuchar certainly was still fiery and, and was trying to get in on a lot of those conversations. And when you have sort of a chaotic, disjointed debate like that, it's sort of hard for a voter to keep the thread. I mean, it's hard for us as journalists to keep the thread of where this conversation is going when it's sort of constantly changing. Everyone's talking over each other. It just makes it very hard to sort of get any kind of narrative across, any kind of story across from these candidates. And it, you know, makes it hard to follow. And therefore, people who maybe didn't want to draw as much attention to themselves this go around, like Bernie Sanders, who wanted to sort of, you know, step quietly back into the bushes and let everyone, you know, sort of fight it out in front of him. He was able in a lot of ways to pull that off. Were you just trying to to do the audio version of that Homer Simpson <laughs> gif of him just I, I was. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. With that, thank you very much for joining us, Elena. Thank you for having me. All right. That'll do it. Once again, many thanks to Elena Schneider for jumping in here after the debate. Our producer is Annie Reese. Our senior producer is Jenny Ament. And our executive producer is Irene Noguchi. And thank you, our listeners, for joining as well. We'll be back with you on Friday with our regular episode previewing this week the South Carolina primary and Super Tuesday coming right after that. And then, of course, we are going to be back with you again to break down the results on those big nights of voting. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon.